This is In Search of Tracks podcast, and we're here to wash away the rain. I'm Pete. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that black hole sun. I'm Bob. (laughs) How are you, Bob? I'm doing well. This one is much anticipated, buddy. I, uh, man, uh, we pulled back the curtain. I don't know. I think last on the last episode, but, um, in the preparation for this week's episode, uh, we will occasionally hit each other with some thoughts like really like, Hey, you know, maybe a question to think about for the episode. Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe something random, but we try to keep most of the conversation right here. True. You had some choice thoughts about Soundgarden and the record that we're doing today, Super Unknown, uh, that made me lick my chops in anticipation <laughs> for this episode. I was just so excited. So um, we're going to dive in before we do, because sometimes we forget and sometimes we don't. Today we didn't. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram and Twitter at TraxPod. And you can always email us at trackspot at gmail.com. Uh, thank you, everybody who's been sending in messages. Been very cool. Always good. Tell your friends and five star reviews, please. Uh, please, we have thank some you. more. Yeah, we have some more surprises coming up. So let's figure that out. Pete, today we're talking about Soundgarden. Yeah. Super unknown. Um, the big record. The, the big record. And the, that's why we're talking about it. It's the easily the biggest record, right? Easily their biggest. Yeah. Um, there are many people who will tell you that Bad Motor Finger is their best. Um, I think Super Unknown is their best. Okay. Um, Bad Motor Finger is a really good record, and it is, it's a really good record. Um, it's a really good record, and it scratches at where they end up on Super Unknown. And I think some people might like it because it does have some rougher edges on it. Yeah. Um, I've definitely heard more recommendations for that record, like like people recommending it to me over the last 10, 15 years um, than I ever hear about Super Unknown. Yeah. And Super Unknown was the the big record. Um, Bad Motor Finger. And it's like, how can we talk about Mount? Bad Motor Finger is still a record that got them on tour with Guns N' Roses and Skid Row. You know, so um, that is an interesting comment for one of grunge's, uh, you know, um, uh, it's kind of perfect in a way, though. I completely agree. Before we get into the recording, Pete, I have a couple quick questions. Okay. For you personally. Okay. Do you think grunge is good? I hate the genre thing. Like that's just my kind of big, I get it. Me big too. criticism. I, yeah, I hate I it. it. And like I hate it more after having listened to this record because grunge doesn't it literally means nothing. It it doesn't mean anything. It's like, more of a commentary on a clothing style than it yeah, is. Sound. It's, yeah, it's it's what was happening culturally at the moment. It has nothing to do with the sound of the music. So that's the first thing. Um but I like most grunge bands. So as a okay. result, I guess I I don't dislike grunge. Okay. Is that a straight enough answer? That's a straight enough answer. I hope that this question... I just kind of resent the whole thing. 
I know, I know. I was go well, then that leads that tease up this question a little bit. How much does grunge suck <laughs> to you? A little bit, a lot, kinda. You give me whatever loose answer you want. Yeah, just talking about it as grunge sucks a lot. <laughs> uh, I tend to agree because sonically, Soundgarden Super Unknown is a lot of things. It is not a lot like Pearl Jam 10. Though no. you could probably make a couple comparisons. Yeah. Uh, they have guitars, you know. Um, Which we got to not- cover, by the way. We got to do Pearl Jam. That has we'll to do be it. next. We- not next, next, but you know, it's, one of these it, days. Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about. It. All right, well, I'll get to the idea, but um, it doesn't sound a lot like Nirvana. Never mind. No, it doesn't sound a lot like any Nirvana record, and it, other than one standout, doesn't sound a lot like Alice in Chains either. Um, and I want to get to that, but um, listening to this record really reminded me of a few things that even at the time, labeling all these bands under the same umbrella only made sense because they tore they wore like flannel shirts that they tied around their their waists. Right. You and know, it really I mean? it, it really was like a geographic thing too. Right? 100%. Like, like like grunge bands are only strictly from Seattle. Seattle and you had some nascent like LA connections, etc. Right. Like Alice and Chains were an LA band, weren't they? Yep. But, yeah. but it was it was a West Coast thing, and it really, you know, like, can you name an East Coast grunge band? You know what I mean? Like, no, is I L7, can't. where the hell is L7 from? I think L7's from DC area. Um, yeah, but are they no, grunge? L7's like- from LA. No, they're not at all. They just toured oh. and played with a lot of those bands. You know what okay. I mean? Um but it's it, they were kind of like on the late side. Of, no, they weren't. They were in the middle of that. Um, so it's sort of it's sort of a fun game. Right. Is the idea of grunge. So I was going to say that we may, because we did Alice in Chains Dirt, we're doing Soundgarden Super Unknown. We may have to like compile. We might need to do. See, I think we should do. Sort of like how we did the Motorhead episode, we should do that for Nirvana and do Bleach, Nevermind, and In Utero. Mm. And then for Pearl Jam, Pearl Jam, I kind of want to do an off the beaten trail record, but maybe we do 10 just for the interest of 10 and verses for the interest of this activity. Okay. And basically, with the eventual endpoint of grunge. What the hell did it do? <laughs> you know, I would I would honestly love to listen to any Pearl Jam post Vitology because I have no idea what it sounds like. Oh yeah, well that's that's my goal. I mean, I think to me, as I've thought about, it, I think we're gonna do no code at some point because I think it's actually one of the most low key of the Pearl Jam catalog. Um, maybe self titled is more so, but. Uh, or, but like I can, I can kind of rep for no code and it's still right there in the like, Oh, this is only like five or six years after formation. Like what's going on here? Uh, so anyways, um, well, and just to give something away that I realized some, I realized on this listen. Yeah. Matt Cameron is a monster drummer. Mm. And that's something that I appreciate. 
Yes. Yeah. And he, uh, Pearl Jam took him. That's right. After, uh, what's his name? Fuck. Someone's yelling at their thing. Um, the original drummer. Drummer of Pearl Jam? <laughs> so Pearl Jam had a few drummers. Hold on. Shit. Pearl Jam had a few drummers, but, um, shit, hold on. I, I now I have to do the thing where you look Jack at Jack Irons? Matt Chamberlain? So, no, it was um, Dave, Dave Abrazis. Dave Abrazis. So Dave Abrazis uh, replaced Matt Chamberlain in 91. Um, didn't play on 10. Played on verses in Vitology. Uh, was sort of like this this kind of like uh, <laughs> uh, drummer for hire guy and uh, is currently has his own... Um, <laughs> Does he have like a Pearl Jam cover band? He has a YouTube Pearl Jam like (laughs) best of thing where he plays and then random players jump on too. So, oh, that's so good. Yeah, it's Bob. If they come through New Jersey, we're gonna go and we're gonna do a live podcast. Oh, fuck yeah, man! I'm I'm all in. I'm all in. So, anyways, um, shout out to Matt Cameron. Really, um, so we should talk about uh. We should talk about Soundgarden because we've talked a lot about this. Um, I think a lot of people know who this band is, um, but they really are kind of spoken about in the same breath as Nirvana, Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains, Soundgarden, you know. And I think they maybe deserve a little more than that. Even if you don't like them, they were a band who put out records on Sub Pop, put out a record on SST. Um, took an awful lot from big 70s rock. Mm-hmm. I think they probably stated out there somewhere that they wanted to be a modernized version of the midpoint between Led Zeppelin and Black Sabbath. Um, and had some pretty interesting stuff going on. All obviously competent players. When we talk about grunge, we kind of often say it as a like counterpoint or like alternative rock especially the early 90s was this counterpoint to hair metal but as noted Soundgarden was playing with those bands like opening for Guns N' Roses and Skid Row they they bridge the gap and have no fear of arena level riffs <laughs> you know yeah not at all so um so I think that places them where they are we kind of talked about Bad Motorfinger Super Unknown comes out in at I believe what we talked about the uh, right at the end of the peak. So this is March eighth, nineteen ninety four. Super Unknown is released, um, and I think a bunch of the singles actually had come out before that, but uh, they were all in that kind of time frame. Um, this is a record I've known forever. I believe I got it within six months of it coming out, mm-hmm. and. Uh, I really loved it as a kid, kind of grew away from it um, as I got into other music, have continued to revisit it over time and have had a mostly positive relationship with the record. I enjoy it, Um, but I gave it the real heavy listen this time and have some new thoughts. So I want to uh, pass it to you. Give me some of your experience with Soundgarden Super Unknown. No, I'm psyched to hear about your thoughts. Um, so 
I actually, I definitely bought this within six months of it coming out too. Um, but you know what else come, came out in 1994? What's that? It was Green Day's Dookie. That's right. And I was much more interested in that CD. Okay. Um, okay. So tracks. Yeah. I mean, tracks. I mean, both, both, both records have tracks, but I, I, I just, I went in on Dookie in this way that I did not go in on Super Unknown. And it was funny to me because I, was re-listening to this and it felt like a new record, which to me means I listened to it so little that I didn't recollect much of it at all, um, mm. except for the hits, really. Sure. Which, I mean, that said, there's like four hits, five hits on this record. So. I mean, they had five singles on it. And yeah. one of the singles I do not remember ever hearing as oh, a single. Oh, interesting. I am going to guess... Did you? Oh, my wave. My wave. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, but that being said, like, I liked the hits. Um, being the age that I am, I remember them just beating Black Hole Sun into my head <laughs> in this way that was so exhausting <laughs> as a kid that I ended up hating it, even though yep, I liked yep. it initially. Yep. Which, which honestly, that happened with Green Day too, Basket Case and of course. Longview. I, I never near, need to hear those songs again. Yep. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, time and a place. I was, I was more interested in the punk that was happening at the time than like the grungy stuff that was happening at the time. But I never really went much deeper than this record. And as mm-hmm. I mentioned, I never really even went that deep with this record. So, um. Not that familiar with Soundgarden. I just like strictly know the hits. So it's it's one of those bands that I always wanted to go back to because I know that there's a lot of, at least in recent years, you know, there's always like 20th anniversary celebration of a thing, right? Mm-hmm. So like over recent years, I've heard a lot of people talk about Soundgarden more and especially, you know, Chris Cornell obviously unfortunately passed away a few years ago and there's been talk about them. So it's a band that I've wanted to go back to, but have not. And this was my opportunity. So here we are. Well, here we are. Um, all right. So big picture. I asked a couple questions already. <laughs> <laughs> um, we gave some background on the band, all that fun stuff. Pete, I have to ask you, mm. is this record still relevant? Uh, I don't think it is. Okay. I mean, I, I think that it, these are, there are mega, mega hits on this record, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that they're going to transcend. Like I, I, I really, for context, I've worked in an office for the past two and a half years that plays strictly like nineties throwback songs. (laughs) Right. And Soundgarden wasn't on that playlist very often. Interesting. Well, was this like more like, like are we getting the soft Pearl Jam songs and Gin Blossoms or are they like, are we getting uh system of a down? Like where, where are we at? On yeah, this? we're getting, there's a lot of new metal on there. Oh um, boy. Okay. Yeah. But that, but that being said, like it's a, uh, it's a, mm. uh, what's the, Sorry, See, I'm blanking. It, with that stuff, with with the system of down or or like new metal kind of leans, 
I would have thought maybe Soundgarden got a little bit of love. Nothing, I would think huh? so too, especially after this listen. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Okay. I mean, it's but it's so that's why I mean, just to bring it full circle, um, that's why we thought that it would be a good idea to talk about this record is because mm-hmm. Alice in Chains. A lot of you guys listening responded to that. Um, Apparently, a lot of people had really fond memories of it. It was like really a pivotal record for a lot of people. Um, Soundgarden, we mentioned on that episode that like they don't really get their flowers. I think you said mm-hmm. so. Like, and I think that's true. Like, I just I think I, that's true. I, I think that uh, as time goes by, they're just kind of being slowly forgotten, which is unfortunate because they were a huge band and definitely had tracks. Um, but it's interesting. Like I, I'm, I'm interested to figure out why that is. I think we're going to get into it. I think, uh, we're going to find some things and also talk about this. I don't believe, I, I think I lean to you that they are not super relevant. <laughs> Part of me thinks is the, well, we'll get to a bunch of it. We're going to address something up front and then that'll circle back to this. Okay. Pete, how long is this record? Bob, it's an hour and 10 minutes. It's 70 minutes long. What do you think about that? Well, (laughs) I found a quote from uh, uh, Chris Cornell. Yes. It says, Super Unknown lasts for 15 songs, clocking clocking in at approximately 70 minutes, because according to Cornell... Quote, we didn't really want to argue over what should be cut, end quote. Wow. Yep. So to me, that means everyone was writing, they threw everything at the wall, and they didn't cut any of it. So this is true. So I want to point this out. This is a really interesting thing. Um, I believe Cornell is credited as a songwriter Almost the entire, well, much of the record. Um, uh, he is the primary songwriter on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine of the 15 songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, writes lyrics on. 12, 13 of the 15 songs, at least partially. And there's 15 total songs. <laughs> um, there's some other, you know, you can see like one of the songs was written by Matt Cameron. Yeah. Uh, two actually were written. Three were written by Matt Cameron. Kim Thale wrote partially at least two of them, three, four, four of them. Ben Shepard wrote a couple, um, including singing on track half which is the second last song on the record so yes everyone was involved but cornell saying it's because we didn't want to argue it's like hey buddy you wrote nine of these songs i'm gonna be real fell on black days written by chris cornell black hole sun spoon man written by chris cornell day i tried to live written by chris cornell Hmm. so big credit to him (laughs) <laughs> the four big hits. I didn't uh, put that together. My Wave, the other single, uh, was written by him and then Kim Thale is a part of it too. He was pretty important on this record, so give him his flowers. 
But then I look through and I'm like, oh, okay. A couple of these tracks that you just wrote, kind of whatever. So um, he was a part of it. <laughs> I think this is a uh, this is a symptom of the bloated CD era. For sure. You know what I mean? And then in that respect, I give it like, I give it a bit of a break. A little bit. But, but, but I mean, yo, as a, I, I'm going to consider myself a pretty big Soundgarden fan. And you're going to hear me really chop this record up. Because there's a version of this record that I think absolutely fucking rips. And it's half to two thirds of what it is. Yeah. So I think that that is one thing I want to note. And that I think impacts the album listenability, which impacts the overall like admiration and love that a thing receives. You know, we talked about U2 Joshua Tree. Yo, U2 Joshua Tree is this heralded record. However, as we discussed, it's like, mm, man, the highs are so high, but the lows are just not what I want from you too. And then in the homework sessions, I'm like, oh, yo, there's these articles that thrash Joshua Tree. And they're like, remember Joshua Tree? Not as good as you think. And I'm like, <laughs> yo, damn, that's harsh. But I do want to, it brings me to my second big question after the, um, Pete, do you like grunge? <laughs> um, which is, should we be judging a record, A, as a whole, B, by its highs, or C, by its lows? And I think both you and I are like A people. We're saying you you judge the whole thing. Yeah. You take the good, you take the bad, take it all. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think I like to go with A as an answer in general, the way that I approach music. Yep. But I think that culturally we go about it by the B. It's just you, you, you judge a band based on the highs. You don't ever really think about the lows. The lows just ideally they get kind of swept under the rug and forgotten in history because the highs are so high. Yeah, except for jerk off podcasters who listen to whole records, um, <laughs> but True. that's that is the deal. You know what I mean? Like that is the deal. Is that this record is unbelievable if you take it as the four or five big singles. So we should address that as well. But like the day I tried to live, fell on black days, spoon man, and black hole son are four of the top six songs this band ever wrote in terms of like popularity um, is in terms of, you know, quality that that's subjective, but those songs are huge, huge. Yeah. Like you could just play the, a, a person, those four songs and they, they, there you go. There's Soundgarden, you know? Yeah. Um, but this record is 15 tracks long. The thing that I'm always critical of is, okay, so this was the big record, you know, this is the A&M record. This is like, hey, this is like major label stuff. What are we doing? And it just it just feels like there's some phoning in. And I don't want... I like to be an A. 
I admit that there's a lot of B out in the world. What I don't ever want to be is the C where you're judging somebody by their worst or judging a band by their worst. You know what I mean? I think when you apply this. And so when I get through that, there's songs in this record that I don't even think are bad. Pete, I, I on my final listen to this, I was doing yard work, which is one of my favorite ways to listen to music. <laughs> and I was all in. I was all in the whole record. I was like, this is great. I was like, yeah, this is great physical labor music, man. Even the songs that then on my actual final listen when I was like getting out of the shower, I was like, yeah, not as much on this one when I'm just sitting here. But if I'm like literally throwing dirt on the ground, this song hits. So <laughs> Right. I mean, I, I had a similar experience where like, I, I probably only got to this record three times. Thanks to the fact that it's 70 minutes long, but um, <laughs> different contexts yielded different results where right. the last time that I listened to it, I was kind of up and doing things and not, as much thinking about the track, like each individual track and just kind of right. like letting it flow. Yes. And I liked it a lot more, honestly. Um, but I'm when I was, because when I think it, it's, I think it's it, a movie. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Cause when I was drilling into every track, that's when it, I got the most critical. So, um, so that's, that is the issue. I think if <clears throat> the hits on this are really good and memorable and the non hits range from fine to hey this is a pretty good song but if you start picking it apart it falls apart pretty quick yeah um so and that's 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 tough though because not a lot of like yo so i just looked this up while we're doing this yeah a record that came out on the exact same day yes nine inch nails downward spiral wow i know this is tangential but i haven't i i probably listened to this record a year ago I don't remember it really dragging at all. Um, Downward Spiral? I really, really, really like that record. And it's been a while I, for me on that record, but I loved it. I'm time. just, I'm very curious. Maybe that's one that we do in the coming weeks because, like, it's 65 minutes long, Bob. It's a long record. Yes. But I don't right, remember it dragging. It. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Well, and, and I think we said context of it matters. So so here's here's what we, as we're about to break this entire record down, song by song, and pick it apart. Don't overthink Super Unknown. You'll have a good time. And if you overthink it, well, maybe we just weren't supposed to think about it that hard. <laughs> um, yeah, I think we do need to visit... Uh, downward spiral because I'm looking at it and I think there is one segment of the record that I remember being like eh it closes really strong and it opens like the first five tracks bang right through yeah bang and then track nine there's some really good stuff in here all right um yeah it's on the list yeah (laughs) um we'll get to you Trent and I think you know what to tie it back to super unknown Nine Inch Nails has grown in relevance. Yep. Allison Chains has grown in relevance. Nirvana is never going to be touched by any of these 
by any of the other, you know, quote unquote grunge bands in terms of relevance and mainstream conversation, that, 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 all that stuff. Pearl Jam is their own thing where they kind of shifted and are still an active, living, breathing thing that branched into this different world. So they're, they're there. And then you have Soundgarden who broke up for a large section, got back together and, you know, kind of sort of did stuff, but then, you know, that was it. And, you know, and then Chris Cornell passed. So they don't have, you know, they have one record from 2012 that I've never heard all the way through. Okay. I'm going to, I was going to ask you about how deep you went on the reunion. (laughs) Well, I mean, so here's the thing. I like the record, the 96 album down to the upside. I really like it. Um, I, I did a deep dive on it not long ago and found out that what I really think of it is that some of the hits I really love. And there's probably two or three other songs that I think are like pretty solid. And then it's just flotsam. Um, right. But they actually, so, but that wasn't, that wasn't a re- reunion record. No, no, no. That's, record, no, right? no, that's like, the 96 record. They that's only, the follow-up Super I thought Unknown. they had numerous reunion records, but I'm looking now and they only have just one. Just King Animal. Yeah. Right? Okay. So um, Chris Cornell obviously went on and did Audio Slave. Um, right? Yes. Yes. He did Audio Slave. He did a solo. I mean, here's how deep I went. Cornell did a solo record in the late 90s that I believe, I believe was the 90s. Uh, I really like that. I think there was a couple hits on it. I overall. have a lot of friends that really like his solo stuff. I like. I remember yeah. people going to see him at the time, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Really? Okay, that's fine." <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he did some really good stuff. I don't. I'm not an audio slave guy, but uh, to be honest, that's that actually might be a fascinating record to do on one of these episodes. Oh boy. Um. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I'm nervous about that one. Me too. I'll do um, it. I'll do it for the sake of the pod, though. Of course. Yo, exactly. But so all those things we said have grown in influence, grown in relevance. And I say it with a little bit of pain in my heart. I can't say that about Soundgarden or this record. Are you ready to go track by track? Let's do it. Let me drown. I like the riff, but that's about it. Yeah, I mean, it's groovy. Groovy, it's groovy kickoff. But I think it's a bad opener. It's, yeah, it's it's all right. I just, I mean, there are so many tracks on this record that I don't, I mean, there are a few that could have been good openers. But, I mean, the thing that stuck out to me was, like, 
because I, I was really trying to keep in mind what you said about like, why are they not as relevant now? Yeah. As a lot of the bands of the time, for some reason, like it sounds really of a time. Like, like everything about it sounds of a time in this way that like, doesn't really transcend the way that a lot of those other bands have. So I, I don't know. I mean, and maybe it's because I, I wasn't a big Soundgarden fan, but right. I, I don't know. I mean, it's like that, that groove is mm-hmm. not something that has aged all that well. No. And some of their big riffs haven't aged well. And like, Yo, here's the thing to, that I, I said, and I mean it complimentary, and I also mean it as just a note for what it is. A band I like, Guns N' Roses. Yeah. Do you like Guns N' Roses? I do. They're of a time and place. Sure. So much so that when people think about them, there's people who dress up as Axl Rose for Halloween or as a Guns N' Roses fan, and you have the big teased hair and a sleeveless Guns N' GNR shirt. You know what I mean? I did that once. <laughs> Yo, I bet it looked good. Yo, <laughs> Soundgarden was not afraid of those riffs and have a lot of parts that were mm, one foot in that world. Yeah, Whether people want to point at it or not, they were able to do it in a what I might call taste more tasteful way. Mm-hmm. But they had those parts. I could see someone who is purely coming from underground music hearing Super Unknown being like, Oh, this is this is alternative. Alternative to fucking what? Right. Like I guess this is edgier than Bon Jovi, but it's like yeah, this band could tour with Guns N' Roses. Yeah. I know. You know what I mean? So um, Yeah, no, I mean that's that's a good point though. Like like uh, one of the things that I really liked about Kirk Cobain and I I don't want to go deep into this cuz I know that I'm getting tangential, but it's just no, like we'll there. like he he mentioned bands like Flipper. He mentioned bands like melvin's you know and like say what you want about flipper i think they're great but they clearly don't have tracks um <laughs> like but the melvin's important think, yo, here's the thing super both important important. Band. Yeah. and like like soundgarden clearly were feeling the melvin's energy but they took it to this stadium level that i don't mm-hmm. think necessarily really uh translates super well in a lot of contexts but yeah yeah, fuck, man. Um, My wave. Let's keep going. Yeah. Uh, so, um, sorry. I got. I just was on Chris Cornell's Wikipedia, and it's so sad. Um, My wave. Start the record right here. This is where the record should start. It's a great song. Um, some of the guitar is sort of angular and sharp, but big still. Um Sometimes in my head, this song has a faster pace, but it still has a lot of energy. And I feel like this is one of those. Um, this is if you start a record with a song with this kind of energy, it's like when you drop into a movie media res. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. something's already happening. This is the oh, uh, you know, the credits finish and Tom Cruise is on the top of a speeding train in a fight. You know, you don't know what's happening, but you're in the <laughs> middle of the fight. Start the record here. I think this is a really good song. It's funny because it is a single, but it was such a lesser single. This is the song like, the like, all right, now for a deep cut from Soundgarden, My Wave. <laughs> you know, so uh, yeah, I, I really vibe on this song. What about you? 
I really like this song. I I don't know that I'd start the record with it because it oh. sounds it sounds too much like the Kinks. It sounds like you really got me. Oh um, wow! I, I think that would be like a weird thing to do, but like, but uh, just the riff at the beginning and then the rest of it, it it doesn't sound like the Kinks. But there's yeah, there's yeah. there's definitely some '60s psychedelia and like like Beatles Kinks pop going on in this album too that we'll get to, and I think that this is like the first hint of it. Yep. Um, but I really, really like, I mean, Kim Thale is a monster. Like the, the dudes in this band yes. are awesome just to put that out there. Mm-hmm. Um, the melodies and the guitar riffs are awesome. Um, it's not at all like sludgy or grungy the way that some of the stuff is. Yep. Um, the outro is awesome. Like I, I really like this song actually. And I was kind of bummed that i didn't remember it as being a single because i like it more than most of the singles at this point so i'm with it um the next song and here's where we hit like hits hits fell on black days um this is one of the hits uh you likely have heard it but maybe if you're under the age of 30 you're not that familiar um yeah this this is a sleeper yeah, so it's sleeper, it's a keeper. It's my second favorite of their hits on this record. Okay, uh, I think Soundgarden, in the way we've talked about soft, loud, I believe a little bit. Yeah, they do that, <laughs> especially on their hits. Um, and Cornell plays into that with his vocal styling, where he can sing and scream, and. Uh, and he he does it well on here, where you get these like really uh, like soft parts into the big yell, and it feels very dramatic. This is one of the best songs, they, one of the best Soundgarden songs, in my opinion. Yeah, I really like this song too. I mean, it's radio hit. I remember it. Yes, um, wasn't wasn't played to death. No, no, it wasn't. I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah. And maybe that's why it's still, I, I still kind of think of it fondly. Yes. Um, and I, I actually agree with you too. Like Chris Cornell's vocals on here are awesome. Like the, the soft to loud and the kind of his mm-hmm. dynamic range is, is, is in this song in this way that it's not in a lot of the other songs on the record. It's, it's a great song. All right. Um, uh, Mailman. Slow down pace. 
Yeah, this is where they kicked into like Sabbath slash doom metal. Yes. In this yes. way that I, I didn't like this is the sound garden that I always thought was presumably there. Was there, yes. But I never was really aware of. Right. So this is the sound garden that's like, oh, like this band would make sense having um Monster Magnet open for them. Yeah, and there's a lot of riffs on this record that are very Monster Magnet rep- like reminiscent. Yeah, Monster Magnet in that whole world where it's like, oh, quietly, Soundgarden had a lot of Sabbath love. Yeah. And um, it's interesting to me because I don't think that Soundgarden necessarily influenced that wave, but I think that their players came from a similar background. For where sure. it was like, hey, yo, we, we love this. What can we do with this? You know, vague familiarity with the punk and metal of the 80s. But what we really love is is the dirginess of Sabbath from the 70s. What can we do here? So this song hits that. I wish there was more in this track that pulled me in because I like some of that energy when Soundgarden gets there. But other than the chorus... I'm not in love with this song, and I would probably cut it. Yeah. Well, uh, all right, so I'm just going to give my caveat. Please. As we get deeper into the songs. Like, a lot of these songs I don't think are cut worthy, but because they're on a 70-minute record, Mm -hmm. like, I have to cut them. Um, Yo, yeah. Uh, Let me just say this. Groundkeeper Bob is not cutting a single second of this record. <laughs> but uh, sitting with his headphones in, <laughs> thinking about this record, Bob, is like, mm, perhaps we should move this song. But uh, Groundkeeper yeah. Bob is just like, fucking mailman, man. That's right. That's Dude, how I Groundkeeper, feel. Groundkeeper Bob has good energy. I think you should just channel that. that. That is my energy, man. Yeah. You know, that's, that Groundkeeper Bob is real Bob. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. Uh, yeah, this is... This is not a thinking man song per se. I just, you can see what they wanted to do and you start to see it. There's times where the radio hits juxtapose to these songs and it doesn't feel cohesive. Yeah. I think they get a little better at it. If in reality, the record after this down on the upside, they do that a little better. They don't quite get as dirty, but I think when they go darker and grimier and and a little more rocking, it works better and the whole record's a little smoother. But you can see what they were trying to do. I just don't think they nailed it on this. Yeah, I mean, I I don't love this song. It's like what I like about it, though, is that it it gave me an insight into like a different side of Soundgarden that I had been unaware of. Yeah. Um, and I think that it could fit really well on a record of like this similar type of feel had they chosen to done that, mm. t- chosen to do that. But like, I mean, that's the whole thing here is like that quote that I brought up from Chris Cornell at the beginning. I didn't bring that up as a diss necessarily. I brought no. that up just because I actually think it's really enlightening to know that like that's the mentality that they went in with. They went in with the mentality of like, everyone in the band is a songwriter. We're going to let everyone contribute what they want to contribute. And we're just going to put it out there. We're going to throw everything at the wall. Yeah. And like, 
Which, which, like, dude, from a band perspective, it's an interesting way to go about it because bands break up over that shit, right? Like, bands break up over, like, who has all the songwriting credits. So if you, if you just let everyone kind of do their thing and put it out there, clearly it was a su- successful record. Clearly, like, we're sitting here criticizing it, but it worked out for them very well. <laughs> you yeah, know? And, so, and, like, yo, please believe... Uh, I am in search of a Soundgarden Super Unknown t-shirt. So my criticism should be <laughs> taken with uh, a pretty large grain of salt. Um, yeah. With that said, the next track. Super Unknown. The title track of the record. It doesn't satisfy me at all. I like it, but it sort of lacks like the excitement and drama of the big hits. Why? It's the title track of the record. What's going on with this song? Oh, see, dude, you and I like different sound gardens, I think. I oh, love this song. I think it's do. great. It's like really? it, it's like it's like the sound garden okay. doing the Beatles. That's that's not far off, okay. And and I think that's really cool because it, it sounds somewhat unique to me. Um okay. I, I, I will say though that I was to your point, I was shocked that this was the namesake of the album because uh, like who knows this song? Nobody knows this song. It's like a forgotten track of this record. Completely, completely forgotten. Um, We will get to it if we like different sound gardens, because there's one song that I think really decides if we like different sound gardens. Okay. Okay. um, Head down. What are your thoughts? Um, I like it. It's just, like I like I like that it's really drum driven. Um I like that it's kind of psychedelic. Yes. I like that the vocals are a little different on this one. They're a little less in your face than the yes. rest of the songs. It's just overall more experimental. They're trying something different. Um I actually I like it. I won't say I love it, but <sighs> I'm just going to read verbatim. Usually I kind of like freestyle a little bit, but yeah. keeping this one, I like the riff. It's a curveball song, but the experimentation works and it's almost playful with the darker tone of the record. Yep. Um, yeah. I mean, sounds right. Yeah. What you're saying about the drums dead on. Um, it's again. Yeah. Like I don't love it, but I, I almost even in a heavily edited version of this record, I think it's important to have this song on there. Yeah, I think I think it's a very cool song. And it's it's one of those songs too that usually I like to listen to records that we review many more times than two or three, but sure. This one just given the length, I couldn't, but yes. uh but like I mean like I said, I listened to this two or three times. I liked it more every time, and this was one of the songs actually on the third listen that really stuck out to me. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm a fan, but I'm with it. I'm in, I'm in on it too. Yeah. All right. Uh, I guess is this maybe the biggest song on the Easily. record? Okay. Easily. Okay. Yeah. Black Hole Sun. Do you like Black Hole Sun, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> Big song. Good song. I like it, but so much nostalgia. So which is to say, yes, I like it. The first time I heard it, I fell in love. I'm not going to lie. This is one of the 
songs that got me into weird music. Cool. Um, and and Soundgarden's not that weird. So don't somebody don't be mad. I know Soundgarden's not that weird, but everyone has sound, their intro. Soundgarden and alternative music is what kind of led me to get into underground music as a whole because I started digging before this. I, I liked music and you know weird stuff occasionally hit my radar that I thought was neat. But like other than seeing a weird big black songs about fucking record in the uh, punch distro at, at uh, <laughs> a record distributor in the warehouse. My dad uh, company worked out of. Wow. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, I didn't veer down this way. So I really like the song, but I've heard it so many times and it has been beaten to death. Now, now, let me say this. That's not typically a disease I suffer from. Usually, I'm able to overcome it and go, you know what? Fuck it. You know, uh, cookies and cream ice cream is popular because it's fucking good. <laughs> you yeah. know, vanilla chocolate swirl with chocolate sprinkles is good. And a lot of people like it. I don't mind. I still like it. Uh, Stairway to Heaven is a cool enough song. I'm not mad. I've heard mm-hmm. it a lot, but whatever. This song almost has been played to death. And so when I listen to it in that analytical way, I'm like, oh, it's a little faster in my head. The the breaks in it, the parts where the, the guitars just get chaotic and it feels like the entire world is exploding, mm-hmm. still fucking hit. Yeah. Uh, and Groundskeeper Bob fucking loves it. <laughs> I'm, I'm like hauling stuff. Yeah, no. This is, a, this is a good song. I think probably for the majority of people listening to this podcast, they've heard it one to 100 times too many. Yeah. So real quick, first thing, um, we're going to have Patreon episodes at some point where Groundskeeper Bob's Bob strictly talks about records. So you just like get into Fuck character yeah. and just like go down the rabbit hole. Easy. Um, but second thing, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with everything that you're saying. I mean, and I'm one of those people where I really, obviously the song is a hit. I've just, I've heard it so many times that it's, I can't even, I can't even comment on it objectively in any real way. Right. Like I've just, I've heard it too many times. I, I, I still think the music video is effective um go on youtube and watch watch the video you have to watch the video it's great and you have to understand that it was being played once an hour on mtv for the better part of two years yeah and to the point where like it what what is the song like five minutes long like it it used to be the full length and they would then they cut it down slowly and slowly and slowly like it got shorter and shorter over the years (laughs) that's right um which i think is just like that's probably something that was created at the time where they just came up with radio edits of songs actually no that was that was the 80s too it was done 70s, radio but, edits were done before that but there was yeah. a lot of different reasons and then the video edits to just kind of like consolidate yeah the video like, oh, edits is know. what i'm talking about i guess yeah, it's but, pretty amazing yeah but uh good song and I, I think you're right where like the moments of chaos in this song still kind of shine um maybe because i was paying less attention to them at the time and maybe because they may have been cut from the video at the time um like it's a great song 
It's it's yeah. like an epic big song. It's really good. It it obviously hit for a reason. It's just uh again if you haven't heard it, listen to it. But if you have heard it, you you know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Spoon man. fucking rips bro um <laughs> spoon man uh it became like bumper music so not only did it get a lot of airplay but like all of a sudden it was the like you know when you're going through highlights of football games you're getting like spoon man in the background like huge this is uh, another dude, really big i'm song. not a i'm not a sports fan so that's amazing oh to dude me. oh my god like bam 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 it's just like it's to the beats you're seeing like cut 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 to different oh, highlights it's just like i like it more now okay good I, I really like it i don't have the same like nostalgia qualm nostalgia question mark kind of thing as i do with black hole song black hole song uh instantly catchy riff this is where soundgarden says yeah yeah flannel shirts whatever check out our balls. We write big riffs and we'll play fucking <laughs> arenas, whatever. You know what I mean? Like th- there's just no, there's no denying these dudes unapologetically wanted to be a rock band and we're just all in, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely like the stadium song, but at the same time, it's like, it's so silly. This song is so like yes. spoon man. Like, I mean, it's this song I appreciate it only because it led to a lot of like uh, eastbound and down jokes and Beavis and Butthead jokes that I still <laughs> think are funny, you know, like, yeah. and the music video is ridiculous. Like the guy actually playing the, sp- like, I, yes. what is it about Chris Cornell? What were you going at? What were you going after on this song? I don't know. But, but I mean, to me, it's like, it's a hit clearly. I mean, people, reacted to it it's still on sports center apparently but like um <laughs> yeah actually like I think it's, it still it's, is. it's just that groovy like groove rock yes that has not overall regardless of genre whether we're talking like big rock like Soundgarden or like hardcore kind of you know more yeah. like esoteric stuff not i don't i don't think much of it has aged well frankly um just because it, it doesn't play into anything that's happening in the current world. But yeah, I don't know. Fine song. 
Um, okay, so I might cut it. I mean, like, like no, if, if, stop it. it, dude. If I picked a, if I was picking tracks on this record, I would, I would probably cut this song. What? Spoon, Spoon Man? Man. You're cutting Spoon Man from this fucking record. It's. Uh, I like it strictly as like dude. novelty. Okay, dude, that riff at the beginning. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, we. I think we like different fucking sound guys. Yeah, All I right. don't know. Let me give you a little background. Um. <clears throat> Uh, Spoonman was originally written for the soundtrack to the 92 film singles. Yeah, great soundtrack. At the time, Soundgarden, along with Pearl Jam, were working on the soundtrack for the film. Pearl Jam bassist Jeff Almond had been put in charge of creating the name for a fictional band that would appear in the film. Before finally choosing Citizen Dick for its name, Almond had compiled a list of potential names, which included the name Spoonman. The name was inspired by artist The Spoonman, a street performer from Santa Cruz and later Seattle who plays music with a set of spoons. Soundgarden vocalist and songwriter Chris Cornell eventually used the name on used the name on the list to create songs for the film. Spoonman was among these and an acoustic version was created from it. The version of the the early version of the song can be heard during a scene in the film with, in which a poster advertising a citizen dick show is stapled to a light post. Uh, uh, as opposed to just leaving in the songs f- the soundtrack began working on electric version songs inspiration artist the spoon man played a prominent role in the song the final version of the song featured artist the spoon man playing his spoons as part of the song's bridge drummer matt cameron also plays pots and pans on the song <laughs> bass is ben shepherd performs backing vocals spoon man's performed in drop d too fuck that's so cool um Lyrics of Spoonman. It's more about the par. Come on, Chris. Come on. It's more about the paradox of who artist is and what people <laughs> perceive him as. He's a street musician. But when he's playing on the street, he is given a value and judged completely wrong by someone else. They think he's a street person, or he's doing this because he can't hold down a regular job. They put him a few pegs down on the social ladder because of how they perceive someone who dresses differently. The lyrics express the sentiment sentiment that I much more easily identify with someone like artist than I would. Watch him play. I still don't like Spoonman, Bob. You're fucked up. You don't like Spoonman? <laughs> don't like it. You don't like this song? No. You're crazy. Dude, the band played Spoonman while on its 1993 tour with Neil Young. Man, fucking Neil Young rocks with Spoonman. Not Pete. <laughs> Pete's out. Fuck. Neil Young right. brought Spoonman on tour. Neil Young was fucking spoon man he was that's spoon the, man that's the, that's the the trick all right yeah. we got to move on before before the podcast breaks up jesus <laughs> you can't cut spoon man from the record it's not allowed um limo wreck ninth track um so this is where <laughs> sorry um this is where they get much more sabbath than i thought they were capable 100%. of yes um, but that being said, it's, it's boring. I don't like oh, the song. I like the song. Um, I think, I think Cornell carries part of it. Um, like the Sabbathy vibing really keeps me here. Yeah. It is too long, but it's I like long. the song. I like the song. I like the lyrical content. It's this kind of like anti-decadence thing. Um, definitely caught me listening to this hard while I was actually doing physical labor so uh this song is a keep for me 
as one of the few like non out non hits that I was like, yo, this song's cool. So I like the song. Okay. The day I tried to live. Yeah, I tried to live. So I, this is another single off the record. Yep. <clears throat> and it's, 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 it's one that I, I remembered it, but I did not remember it as clearly as spoon man or, um, black hole sun. Yes. So it was kind of nostalgic for me, honestly. I, I, cause I remembered liking this song. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, it's like good song, not a great song. <sighs> I, it doesn't do much for me, man. And honestly, at this point, like we're already halfway through the record. This is like where I start to just drag. No, I mean, it's, it's understandable. I think, like if this had been front and center, I, I'd probably like it more. But in the context of what I was listening to, it's just, it's it gets tough for me at this point. I'll give you my version of this record, which I think fucking rips. Um, but Dad Should Live, my favorite song on the record. I think they try to... There's a touch of this like uh, spacey thing at the very beginning. But then from there, you get... Like they're more modern interpretation. You get some of that chaotic stuff going on for, for grunge music alternative. Um, really solid buildups. I actually really like the drumming on this one. Like when it's kind of that do, 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 like the no, it's scaling super cool. is cool. Yeah. Um, vocally, this is where I like his uh, soft to loud vocal stuff the best even though fell on black days he's clearly showing off his singy voice better Mm -hmm. um day i tried to live i I really like so best song on the record probably the song i'd play for someone to get them into spoon to sound garden maybe song on the record yeah my favorite what are you taking over black hole sun spoon man no, I'm just no, kidding. you fucking hate Spoon Man. Um, I, I mean, I, I will. I was say, gonna let you live if you kept day. I, day I tried to live. I was gonna. All right, I guess you can get rid of Spoon Man. I guess maybe. God, favorites on the record. Uh, My wave, super unknown. Wow. Okay. Uh. Well, the next song is the one I really am curious about your feelings. Well, I mean, the other thing I wanted to say is just that, like. The time signature changes on this record are awesome. Like technically yes, this band yes. is amazing. Like super it, amazing. There, there's 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 a lot going on here and it's it's very very cool. Um, well, and that's and where I, I say And I was super impressed with that. And that's where I say the like the we didn't want to fight. Here's a bunch of songs. Yeah. It's pretty impressive that they were able to streamline it even the way they did as I'm about to tear it apart and say, "Oh, get rid of these six songs and we'll be just fine." Um <laughs> But I, I, it is impressive how they were able to make such a cohesive thing that is 70 minutes long and it's a little too long. But it's, yeah. it's pretty cool. So. Kickstand.
So this, this is, is their this is their skate rock song. Yeah, exactly. This is this is them being like, yeah, we actually we were punk kids too. Um, yeah, sort of. It's it's fine. It it doesn't really. It has like no effect on me other than like literally no effect on me other than me acknowledging like oh they listened to punk music at one point. Yeah, it. it uh, there was one other reference like the in the song that I couldn't can't place, but it really just has this like, Oh yeah. There it's like, yeah, man, we like, like black flag. And there was one other very specific sound in it. Um, it's totally fine. Maybe they should have stuck this on a video game soundtrack. Or yeah, this this should like have been like like track, a, you know like this should have been like a B side. Yeah, B side for one of the singles. Like totally. a fun a fun B side. Like like yeah. this would be a really fun song to be a B side to like Spoon Man. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a that's great the, single that the, I would the, that I would yeah, not buy. That you're hating. Yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right, moving ahead. Fresh tendrils. <laughs> um. This song sucks. Tosser track was my note. Uh, yeah. Did they write this in the studio thinking, damn, is the record not <laughs> long enough? Yeah. Just Dude, a boring the, song. Just not I, good. Yeah, at this point, I like I have very low tolerance. And I I on my second and third listen, I was trying to like find the redeeming yep. kind of factors here. I got nothing with this one. This song has the least musicality of anything going on in the record. It's just like Okay, yeah, you just like play. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool, cool. All yeah. right. And it's like, to me, it was like guitarist and Cornell are going like, all right, it's like Kim Thale is like, all right, I'm going to play this. All right, cool, cool. I'm going to do this. All right, let's just, let's click record. And then everybody's <laughs> like, wait, what the fuck? They're like, just, you'll just put your tracks down after. And they're like, fucking fine. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> The easiest cut on the record. The easiest. Easiest, yeah, by um, far. I like Spoon Man more than this song. Yeah, fucking better. Fourth of July. <laughs> um, th- so, so this is where they impress me again. Like, mm, okay, where where I just I don't know. They're doing things I didn't know they're capable of. Like, it sounds like a doom metal song. Like, you this want, sounds like wanna, an electric. I, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give it to you even better. Okay. This is Soundgarden trying to write an Alice in Chains song. Ah, interesting. Um, I agree. Um, I dig some of the dirging. Overall, I think the song's not quite there, and it's a little bit too long. It's long, yeah. Um, Agreed. But I agree. Like the energy, like they they hit for me what I wanted out of Mailman a little better on this track. Yep. But then there's parts. If you listen to the vocal, it almost sounds like Cornell's doing some like Lane Staley shit, and I'm like, really? This is mm. weird. Um, I cut his, it. His vocals are all over the place on this record. By the uh, way, I think he. I think it's almost a showcase record. Like he can do a lot, and I actually think he gets a lot of credit. Like so, it's not like we're here saying, "Hey, Chris Cornell, you know who's a pretty good singer like Chris Cornell?" Yeah, maybe right. you heard of him. Yeah, tons of credit. He does a pretty good job of doing different things and kind of has a huge array of things that he showcases um what he's able to do on this track makes me think oh had soundgarden taken a different path after uh what's this the record ultra um fucking ultra mega okay yes correct um had they taken a different path after that it would have been interesting if they went full dirgy sabbath as opposed to 
the more accessible version of what they they ended up doing. Right. I yeah, still I'm cut with, it. Yeah. I still cut it. I think the uh, mostly because I just think it doesn't fit in the record. Um, but I, it's 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 a fine song. Um, it, yeah, it definitely doesn't fit in the record. Um, I think I'll cut it because I'm probably I, I don't have a track list like you do, but mm-hmm. I, I would cut a lot of the tracks on this record just to make it more listenable as an album. Yeah, um, well, that's that's the thing is that there's if this record is literally half as long. It's twice as good. Agreed. Speaking of, song half. Cut it. Yep. Um, I kind of like this song. It's weird. Uh, Cornell doesn't sing on it. Ben Shepard does. He wrote the song. The different vo- almost has, um, oh, fuck, what's his name? Uh, Perry Farrell vibe going okay. on. Yeah, um, I could see that. To the point where I had to look it up a little bit and like, wait, did to do do guest vocals here i don't remember that but um i like this song a lot more than i had in the past still doesn't fit should have been a b-side dude total b-side i look in my it's notes not I li- necessary you know i literally wrote what is the point of this song like <laughs> like like i get i get it like yeah. i get that you're experimenting with different sounds and that's yep. cool and i'm i'm all about that but like, no, we're an hour and 5 minutes in yeah exactly at this point in the record what what are you doing yep um and the last track which is like suicide which i think has some memorable parts the chorus is pretty catchy it's like 7 minutes long too long of like the part where it almost feels like it's jammy a little bit yeah it's still too long there's like serious Jimi hendrick guitar solos going on here yeah um, good point which are which are super cool towards the end but but that being said it's like it's almost too little too late yep yep and and we're now at the end of the record and i just even in the time of the cd i don't know many people who were who had an hour where they just listened to this record straight through. Yeah. I mean, I have to think, honestly, that's one of the reasons that I maybe wasn't listening to it as often. Like Dookie is still a long record, but for a kid, it like, it wasn't long to the point that I got bored with it clearly. Whereas this, I I imagine I just got bored with it and this is pre cell phone. Now I'm bored with everything. So (laughs) I don't know. Yeah. Um, all right. So, uh, Here's what I'm going to suggest, Pete, um, when that last song's a cut. 
here's oh, is my it a ver- cut. I don't think it's a cut for me. Oh, you're you're keeping it. Interesting. It's a cut for me. Mostly just on length. I just think. Fair enough. I think they could have done more with it. Um, I just think. So here's my version of this record. We can kind of get into it. Opens with my wave. Fell in black days. I'm on the fence about super unknown. All right. Keeping super unknown. Keeping head down. Black hole sun. Spoon man. Limo wreck. Day, day I tried to live. Yeah, I tried to live as a good closer. I think that's where it stops. So it's a seven song. One, two. You sure you don't want to close three, with half? Four, five, six, seven, eight. I think I, I, you know what it is? It's one of those CDs where the day I tried to live is the last song. Then there's a hidden track of kickstand. Like, and it's like <laughs> 10 minutes of silence. And then like, you know like <laughs> fucking skate punking out um that would put this record at let's see 134 five uh so it's six eight it would clock in around 35 minutes i'm pretty Perfect. sure um and look here's the thing we didn't really mention Here's the runtime: three fifty-one, five twelve, four forty-two, four twenty-five, five oh six, six oh eight, five eighteen, four oh six, five forty-seven, five nineteen, one thirty-four. Kickstand bra, four sixteen, five oh eight, two fourteen, seven oh one. Fifteen songs, seventy minutes. It's a long average. Yeah, <laughs> you know they weren't writing short songs, um, which is interesting because. For a band who, like, we've said all these things, like, commercial, this is, like, the commercial, this is the big record, you know? Yo, no one no one would tell you, like, hey, you know what the right time is for a successful pop song? Five minutes. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, about four minutes and 45 seconds is the average length of song. Kind of crazy. <laughs> it's long, um, dude. I mean, they but, they're, like... I have respect for that in a way where it's just like they were just going for it. They they did exactly what they wanted to be doing, and there was no artistic, well, you know. Uh, no, I think that I think that's true. Like, I don't want to be. It's super unkind and not right of us to make like a, cast dispersions. Like, oh, you know what? This was just like they just did this to be pop. No, no, no. Nobody's telling them that, like, hey, release a 70-minute record, <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. no one's saying, hey, write five-minute songs. But, like, yo, Fell in Black Days is 442. Black Hole Sun, 518. Spoon Man, the best song that Pete loves the most, 406. <laughs> Day I Tried to Live, 519. So, my wave, 512. The five singles were all, like, about five minutes long. That's crazy. That's not... Like even in the time of the music video, you were trying to get a music video that was like four-ish minutes, you know. Yeah. Um, and and really, yeah. So these were long songs, long videos, the whole thing. So credit to Super Unknown, credit to Soundgarden, Pete. Um, any other comments before we break this thing down one final time? Um. 
No, just that, like, I know that I sounded harsh. When you I were get pissing why, I, on Spoon, Spoon Man? Yeah. That song is not good. Dude. If you I mean, is that riff in your head when we say it? Spoon yeah, Man. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's catchy, but it's just, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's a ridiculous okay. song. Okay. Just checking. Um, It's fine. Listen to the record. Listen, like, no, I mean, like, like, like there, this band clearly was big for a reason is, yeah. is what I'm trying to get at. Like the record is bloated. A lot of records were bloated at the time. Um, I think that Soundgarden, there's probably a lot more to them that I'm seeing even on this record. I'd like to actually listen to the records that came before and after this. Um, all the dudes in the band can play their asses off, which is awesome. And that's interesting for me to listen to in and of itself. But it's just, it's one of those things where like, you know, one of the things that we do on this podcast is think about like what makes for a coherent album. And this to me is like not a coherent album. It, it Mm. is just, it's, Mm. it's an experiment in as a band, what can we do? Yep. And they did that. They succeeded in doing that to the point that they sold millions and millions of copies of it. Clearly, nine million copies of this record sold. Yeah. So, like, clearly, I'm the dumb one here. But like, all I'm saying is, like, I don't get this. I don't get the sense that they were really thinking about the album as an album. They were just thinking about like, we are Soundgarden, and what can we do as a band? Let's just like put that on record, you know. And and that to me, like might actually shine a light on why they, you know, Bob, to your quote, like don't get their flowers now yeah. is because they, they, they weren't writing co- coherent albums. They were just showcasing their abilities. Well, and, and I really agree with almost everything you said there. I don't think the record is as an LP is super coherent in terms of song flow and consistency, despite the fact that we talked about some of the admirable traits that with this, it still f- sonically works, you know? Yeah, yeah, still yeah. yeah. Sonically Overall, works. it works. But the songs and tracks, it's like, this is a really good record, but it's buoyed by these singles. And given what these highly competent players in every single facet are aware of and are doing, it doesn't feel like those classic records. Like all, it doesn't feel like a classic record when you listen to it as a record. Right. And that matters. And it hurts. Yeah. So yeah. Um agreed. I just fell down a Jason Everman hole. Do you know who Jason Everman is? I do not. He was the second guitarist in Nirvana. Okay. Played bass and Soundgarden for a minute. He was also in the band Mind Funk with Pat Dubar from Uniform Choice. Wow, um, his story is really, really funny. He was a he was originally credited on Bleach as playing second guitar, but he did not play on any of the tracks. <laughs> Kurt Cobain said the credit was a token of thanks to Everman for paying a fee of six hundred and six dollars and seventeen cents to record the album <laughs> on the two thousand nine remastered edition of Bleach. Everman is no longer credited, uh. but can still be seen on the front cover and is given special thanks in the booklet. Ouch. God, um, he is a uh, soldier or uh, former wild, wild, wild. That All is right. wild. A really weird story. So uh, everybody, look at Jason Everman on Wikipedia. Um, 
so let's 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 go through the ratings. Length is it too long? Does it drag? It is too long. The last four tracks certainly drag a bit, and at that point, you're you've been listening to the record for uh, fifty minutes, you know. Yeah. So, yes, it's too long, and yes, it drags a little bit. Album flow does it feel disjointed or slapped together at all? Yes. Yep. It does. It doesn't doesn't feel super consistent. Well, it if it suffers in this weird major label way where yeah. it's not about writing an album that somebody's supposed to sit and listen to, but rather a vehicle for singles to be on and sell CDs. Right. And that's where I mean it succeeded <laughs> immensely yes, in greatly. that way. Right. Where like uh, we both owned it within six months of it coming out. So yes, yeah. it worked. Yeah. <laughs> it worked perfectly well as a vehicle for singles quality of the songs and lyrics are the memorable songs how do they stand up against their contemporaries yeah i think they stand up against their contemporaries i think the highs and this this question i think mostly hits the highs i think their hits are super super memorable lyrically um some pretty good work and when you read into some of the deep cut tracks there's some pretty good work going on here yeah, I feel like the the lyrics are actually something that I wanted to dig much deeper into that I didn't. I just, as a matter of time, I just didn't have time to. But uh, there's a lot there, and I'd like to go deeper on it. Yeah, and Cornell was a uh, troubled person who I think was quite elegant in the way he put some of that down um, throughout his work, basically. Um, For sure. So, yeah timelessness does this strictly exist in a time and place or does the influence and impact spread much further i mean i think we touched on that right like it it uh it kind of exists in a time and a place yep um i think it's like firmly classic rock at this point yep firmly 90s rock firmly of the time um as we've discussed i don't think it's influence and impact are growing. Yeah. All right. And finally, the fun stuff, presentation, album artwork, etc. Does the art fit the music? Is it memorable? For whatever reason, despite there being some elements of this that I haven't looked at too hard, the cover image always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, I think the artwork is cool. Um, this is like a recurring theme. I haven't trashed a ton of artwork, but please believe I can really rip things apart. I like this. If you look at it too much, you start to think like, what the hell is this? <laughs> but when you just glance at it, it becomes kind of, it's one of the more iconic covers of the nineties. In my opinion, I actually totally agree with you for some reason that the cover art to this album always stuck with me. Yeah. Yeah. Just because like, it's, it's so weird. Yeah. It looks like this screaming elf, but like, 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 I mean, like you said, yeah, you look at it too much. It, it just becomes crazy, but it's, it's also, it's super memorable. Yeah. I think, um, and it's really stark. I like that. I think so too. I think, uh, it's, it's aged decently well. Um, I could start to pull it apart, but really unique too. Also, I I haven't seen many albums that tried to do what they did on this and it works for them. So, All of that said, as two of the people who've already added this to our collections way, 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 way back, 1994. 
But is it still in your collection? The CD is not, and I don't own it on vinyl. I'd like to own it on vinyl, I think. Like, is this a double disc? It has to be, right? It has to be a double. Yeah, clearly it's a double LP. Oh, my God. All right. Um, I'm surprised it isn't like a 10 LP box set I at know, this point. Oh, I know. Or like, you know what? They, they could have done the uh, the seven-inch box set of it. I'm sure there's some wacky versions of this thing. Oh, God. Now you got me looking into it. Um, well, well only if, they, if they did the seven-inch box set, then there is the... The Spoon Man single that do, 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 we were talking about. Do, 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 do. Um, okay, let's see what we got. I'm going to filter this out. I'm going to do vinyl only. Uh, Pete, will you be adding this to your collection? I don't think you are. No. Sorry. I will. I still love it. I still get love for it. All right, let's see what the vinyl's going for here. Um, Discogs. Go to discogs.com. They should be a sponsor on our show. Uh, <laughs> they're not, but they should be. Um Okay, let's see there. Oh, yeah, double LP album. Oh, wow. All right, um, original versions of this album going for about 600 to $700. Not surprised. Yeah, makes sense. That was, that was the dark era of vinyl. And there's some, looks like there might be some represses on color vinyl that people are pretty into too so that's pretty interesting okay all right i'm with it um i'd like to add it i'm not spending uh six hundred dollars on this record but even more importantly pete what are you rating soundgarden super unknown bob i'm gonna give it two stars i think that's fair and pete this is where i have to decide a holistic view of the record b Judge it by its heights. Judge it by Spoon Man. Or C, <laughs> judge it by its lows. I'm going to choose to go A, and I'm going to give it a three. Because Fair I enough. really like the record, and the heights are great. But there's songs on this record that I don't care if I ever hear again. I feel that. Shout out to Soundgarden. Shout out to Chris Cornell. Uh, R.I.P. Um, R.I.P. Really love the record. If you've never heard it, you, you deserve to hear it at least once. And you can ask the immortal question, is grunge good? And then, Pete, even more importantly, one that speaks more directly to you, is Spoonman good? Good night.